0: As I said last week, I was going to begin a new series or share a new message, a new portion of messages here. And it is entitled New Beginnings, New Seasons, you know, because we all have something in common. We may not have a whole bunch in common, but we should have two things in common. And you may be in here and you may not be walking with Jesus, so that may not be something that we have in common. But if you are walking with him, then we have that in common. Amen. Hallelujah. But there's also something that all of us have in common, regardless of whether we walk in with Jesus or not. And it is that we all live our lives and our life walks through different seasons. We experience different seasons in our lives. Every one of us has to admit this, whether we want to or not, because the reality is we come into this earth as newborns. That is a season of our lives we are go from being infants to then being toddlers notice the season change you move from this place of being infants being newborns to now moving to being a toddler you go from being a toddler to now you're a child and as you grow from being a child you know you move into those years and you become an adolescent and then these are all seasons in our lives and we continue to move on and we go from being an adolescent to being a young adult glory to god hallelujah then we move into the place of being an adult and you know according to the you know, the, the really smart people, glory to God, you become an adult that doesn't think until you're 30. And then once you're 30, you're a thinking adult, amen, somebody, hallelujah. Glory to God. And so, you know, th- 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 that's the expert's opinion on it. So if you're not 30 and you're an adult, you're not thinking yet. I'm just joking. That's not my opinion. But anyway, the experts, that's their opinion. But I, I will tell you this. My opinion is you do think a little bit differently when you turn 30. Amen? When, we, when, when you go past those years, obviously because of the wisdom that you have gained. And anyway, after you start thinking, you know, you're an adult. And then, and then after some time, you become a senior citizen. Mature, senior citizen, however you want to call it, but it is the step before you become a permanent inhabitant of eternity. Hello, somebody. Glory to God. Seasons of our lives, seasons of our lives. We experience seasons, all of us, and not just that, but also as we grow through these natural seasons, these natural times in our lives, we experience the effects of this principle called sowing and reaping. See, when we're, when, we're, when, we're, when we're newborn, we don't really know what we experience. You know, I've heard testimonies of people born into this world, and instead of them having, you know, there's some children blessed in their situation, you know, where they come home to a whole beautiful nursery, adorned with furniture and, you know, got a beautiful crib and bassinets and playpens, and, you know, they got all kind of stuff. And then there's other folks. Hello, somebody. When they came home, they came home to a drawer. Did you hear what I said? Hello, somebody. Came home, they slept in a drawer. Y'all talking about you got, you know, uh, a drawer, a drawer that you pull out. So when, when the baby ain't sleeping, the drawer goes back into the, you know, there, there you go, back into the dresser. Glory to God. But the fact of the matter is that a lot of times that's a result not of the child sowing and reaping, of the parents sowing and reaping. Parents were, in a, were not in a prepared situation to go on ahead and have a child, and therefore their finances may have not been right, whatever the case may be. But you experience stuff. You know, as, as you're growing up, we experience the effects of sowing and reaping. We experience that. But as we continue to mature, then suddenly it shifts. And then you begin to experience sowing and reaping from a different level because it's not mommy and daddy's fault. It's your fault. And, and 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 it's not too long, you know, when you start to experience your own stuff, because you know you start going on ahead and you start doing things you shouldn't do. Hello, somebody, and you may reap a beatdown. Hello, somebody. You may, you, 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 you may reap being grounded. You know what I'm saying? You may reap not being able to go and do that activity that you really wanted to do. You begin to reap some things because of what? Because you become more conscious of what's right and what is wrong. And so it's important that we realize that we go through these seasons. And counseling, I share with people because as we are Christians, it's the same thing. We come to Christ and, and you know, clean slate. Amen. Say amen. Clean slate, you know, not to say that you may not have to deal with some stuff because you may have been sowing some things in your life and you have to deal with some difficulty. You have to deal with some things that you've got to get through. But what with God, clean slate. So now you're, th- this is what's beautiful. This is the beauty of this. You've got to get this. This season here, before Christ, you sowed whatever you sowed all the way up to here. You met Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. So here's what happens. My daddy told me this and I think this is good counsel. There's no such thing as crop failure. Do you hear what I said? Because I know we want to pray for crop failure. In other words, that, oh, well, all the stuff I sowed, I hope it don't catch up to me. That's crop failure, y'all. Hello, somebody. Because some of us were sowing some nasty stuff, doing some nasty, and we hope it don't catch up to us. And you know what? Sometimes God in his mercy doesn't allow you to have to experience it. But 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 when you come to know Jesus, I want to talk about after you know Jesus. Because see, right here we come to this point, and so you sowed some things, and so now you're moving into this next season of your life that is with him. And this is another season where here's there's two things going on simultaneously. Number one, you are reaping whatever you sowed in the past. Hear me? Going through whatever it is, dealing with whatever it is. Let's just use, you, use an example. We can use debt. How about that debt? Everybody hates debt. Amen, somebody? And, and, and some of us have made some really bad decisions financially, and so we find ourselves in debt, and we're overwhelmed with that, and so that's something that we sowed back here, and because of the percentage rates, right? We sowed it not just in this season, the next season, the next season. Hello, somebody. I'm just saying that that, that's the way this thing works. And so what happens is you sowed that. Now you have a choice here. You can choose to sow more debt into your next season, right? Or you can get some wise, godly counsel and stop living outside of your means. Amen, somebody. Stop indebting yourself. Stop becoming a slave to debt. Get yourself on a financial plan. Hello, somebody. And that way in the next season, you are free from debt, able to experience the blessing of God. Now, I use debt because that's something that we can all relate to. Amen. But the fact of the matter is this can be relationship stuff. Things that you sowed years ago, things that you sowed way back when are coming to bite you now. And so you're in this season reaping. But guess what you're also doing simultaneously? You're sowing. Oh, glory to God. See, someone got it. Glory to God. At the same time that you are reaping, you are also sowing. So it's important for you to consider as frustrating as it may be that you are reaping whatever it is as, as as difficult as it may seem. You need to be a wise sower into your future. Amen. You need to be someone who considers what am I sowing into my next season because I want to make sure that I walk into a new beginning. Say new beginning. I, I want to make sure that I walk into the new thing that God wants. I don't want to continue to deal with that old stuff i don't want to continue to deal with that old mess but the 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 issue is you got to deal with it we're going to talk about dealing with it next week but 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 i want you to realize something that that we are 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 in this season where we're sowing and, and throughout this time that we're growing up we we experience this principle because the bible says that god will not be mocked amen god is not going to be mocked. god is going to get glory god is going to be glorified in us whether we like it or not hello somebody And so it is important for us to recognize that we're sowing. So we want to make sure we sow good stuff, say good stuff. We want to sow good things into our future. And so there's another thing I want you to grasp, because this sowing and reaping thing, I just gave you the example of the child who comes home sleeping in a drawer, right? Well, that child was reaping something that was something that parents may have sown or whatever the case may be, experienced difficulty, experienced hardship, whatever the case is, experienced some stuff. It wasn't the result of their behavior. So it's important for us to understand that our sowing and reaping does not only affect us. Did you hear me? Our sowing and reaping does not only affect us, it affects others. And so it ain't all about you. Hello, somebody. It's not all about you getting what you want, getting what you think and what you desire and all that. No, no. It's about us making sure that we look at the big picture. What am I sowing into my future? Not just my future. What am I sowing into the future of my children? What am I sowing right now? And I'm going to tell you something. Right now, my wife and I, whether we realize it or not, whether we like it or not, whether we're doing a good job at it or not is irrelevant to the point. But the fact of the matter is we are sowing into our grandchildren. Hello, somebody. Did you hear me? The way that we parent is going to be put inside of our daughter. And our daughter is going to reject our parenting. Our daughter is going to accept the parenting. Our daughter is going to be edified by it. And you know what she's going to do? She's going to make decisions just like everybody else in here did. Well, I'm never going to be like daddy. Or I'm never going to be like my mom. And then, you know, we find out we just like them. Hello, somebody. Look in the mirror one day, we hear ourselves quoting stuff that our parents said. Hello. Be like, what is wrong with me? You became a parent. Hello, somebody. And your child is something like you. Hello, somebody. And so the reality is that we are sowing. So it's important for us to make sure that we consider what we're sowing because we want to walk into everything that God wants us to walk into. We don't want to sow by the flesh because if we sow into the flesh, what happens? We reap corruption. If we sow into the spirit, we reap eternal life. And that's not just talking about the life to come. That is talking about us experiencing now what God has for us. Hello. I hope you get this today. Glory to God. This morning, I'm going to preach this message, and it is entitled crossover. Crossover. Joshua communicates to the people in verse 11. Look at it with me. He says, pass through the camp. Command the people saying, prepare provisions for yourselves, for within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Here's what we got to realize is our new beginning requires a crossover to position us for success. How many of y'all ever uh, seen basketball? Raise your hand. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And there's a move. It's called a crossover, right? So you're dribbling, you know, Alan Iverson, great, wonderful, break everybody's ankles. I think he broke the greatest of greats ankles. Michael Jordan one time, this guy's pretty sick, right? And what do he do? It's a crossover, pretty intense crossover. So what happens? If you got a good crossover, you know what you're going to be able to do? You position yourself to score. Hello, somebody. You position yourself for success if but you got to finish. Hello, Cause you can cross somebody over and i've seen that too great crossover but no finish hello somebody <laughs> listen we want to finish amen somebody we 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 we, we want to make sure that we're not just you know jicking and jiving and doing all this other stuff hello but we want to make sure that we're getting to where God wants us. And so we see that this is a move that creates an atmosphere for you. It opens up a lane for you. Hello, somebody. It opens up a way for you. And so you can go on ahead and do what it is that you're trying to do in the game of basketball. But in this thing of Christianity, when we're talking about a crossover, you know that there was one who died on the cross. Amen. Amen. You know, I love um uh, Pastor Mighty's Soul, I think she shared an email with me. It was one that's been circulated a while, and some of you may have received it, and so this may remind you. But it was a it, it's 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 a it's a a little a little um like all these characters and it shows these people, and so it's a cartoon picture, and you see all these people with these heavy crosses, and they're carrying this cross, and there's one guy sweating and he's cutting pieces of his cross off. Hello. And he's cut, and, he, and, and you know, everyone else is sweating, dragging their cross through, getting through, going through, and everything. And then, and, 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 you know, everybody's just like sweating, and he's just feeling good. All of a sudden, his, his cross gets real short. You know, he's just like, it ain't touching the ground. He's just like throwing on his back like a, like a baseball bat, right? And so, what ends up happening is if y'all saw the email and you saw the little picture there, what happened? When it came time to cross over, guess who wasn't crossing over? It was the one who continued not to carry his cross the way that he needed to. And so what does that tell us? That tells us that we need to go through what we got to go through to get to where we got to get to and don't try to ease up. Hello somebody say don't ease up. Don't do you 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 got to continue on through whatever it is you're fighting, you got to continue on through to get past this because at the end you're going to need some of that stuff. Hello somebody. And so, Jesus, what I love though, is Jesus paid the price on the cross so we could do what? So we could cross over from death to life. So we could cross over from the place of the curse. To the place of blessing so we could cross over from the place of discouragement to the place of fulfillment so we could cross over from the place of being down and out to being lifted up are you hearing me church and so this is what i'm talking about when i'm saying it's time to cross over because the children of israel had walked around this wilderness for 40 years heads down frustrated thinking about a promise and didn't, no, when, when is this going to happen when is this going to a, going to occur and then they come to the end you know the book of deuteronomy comes to its end and and Moses the servant of the Lord who was the leader who brought them out of Egypt he goes on ahead and God communicates to him and says hey it's time it's time for you to come with me basically is what he told him and so he says go on ahead and gather the people i want you to commission Joshua i want you to communicate to them what's going on and i want you to go on ahead and come up here and so Moses goes on ahead he brings the people together he communicates with them and you know what they see they see Moses do what he's done very often or a couple of other times in the scriptures he goes up on a mountain we know he was gone for 80 days. He's gone for 40 days, gone for another 40 days. And so him going up, the Bible says they, they mourned for like 30 days, right? So they're mourning over him because they knew that he was going to die. But still, you know, and, and something inside of them is there. And something is like, you know, is he going to come back? Maybe, who, who knows? Maybe he's going to come back. You know, he, he, he communicated this, but maybe he's coming back. Who knows? And the reason why we know this is because obviously God, how many of y'all know God doesn't just repeat himself just to repeat himself? When God, when God communicates something, he's communicating something. And so he communicates some things to Joshua. And the first thing I want you to repeat after me is say this. In order for us to cross over, we need to determine what is hindering our forward progress. Whenever God is stating the obvious to us, hear me, church. Whenever God is stating the obvious, whenever you come to a Bible study, Whenever you come to a Sunday service and God is stating the obvious or God is reiterating what I mean by God, when God is using me, when God is using the other teachers, when God is speaking to you through us, when God is communicating to you the obvious, rather than sitting back in your seat and saying, man, I already heard this and I already know this. You need to check yourself for a moment and say, why is it that God is communicating this to me? Don't, don't, don't think yourself above it, but consider why is it that God is... Why is it that he's saying something that seems to be so obvious? Because usually the reason why he's saying to you what is so obvious is because you're missing it. Did you hear me? They've been mourning. They've been crying out. And look what God communicates. Look at verse 1 with me. He said, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying in verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. So he tells them, look, I know you're mourning. I know you're hurting. I know you're going through all of this turmoil inside. I know you're going, but but listen, he's dead. He's not coming back. So I need you to get up. I need you to take your position of leadership. I need you to get up. I need you to lead these people. I need you to now step into the place of prophecy. See, God was calling the children of Israel to cross over into this promised land. More specifically, he was calling Joshua to lead them. And I want you to realize that Joshua had some big shoes to fill. Hello, somebody. See, when you read about Moses, I mean, this was a guy that, you know, uh, I think Pastor, Pastor Robert or, or in the class with John Bevere, it was John Bevere was talking about how God, you know, Miriam and Aaron, they had some issues with Moses. And what is, you know, Moses is like, you know, God is say, saying to them, listen, I talk to prophets through dreams and through visions, but Moses, I talked to this man face to face. Scripture says that he was a prophet likened to none. There was none like him. As a matter of fact, the prophecy was that God was going to raise up a prophet. You know who he was talking about? A prophet like him. That was Jesus. Hello, somebody. So you want to talk about someone who had some bragging rights? It was Moses. But the Bible yet goes on this way. He has bragging rights. The Bible says he was the most humble man alive. Glory to God. He wouldn't have bragged even if he had to. But the fact of the matter was that Moses was this great servant of the Lord. And so Joshua, look, he's he's intimidated, glory to God. He's like, hold on a second. Moses came and got us up out of Egypt. He walked up in there and got us. He brought these 10 plagues all over Egypt. God, you brought us through the Red Sea. He brought us the law twice. I mean, this guy was serious. And now I got it. So, so not, only, not only is he intimidated by this, but you also got to understand something else. Joshua loved Moses. See, it wasn't just that he was great. It was that he loved him, man. He's like, man, this guy, this, this. look, read, read the scriptures. When Moses went up on the mountain, you know where Joshua was? He was halfway up the mountain just worshiping God. He was just—he would—he just—he he couldn't go up there, so he just got as close as he could to the glory of God and just worship, just saw God's face. Moses came back. Joshua stood there, glory, he, because Moses connected him to the most important thing, which was the presence of the Lord. So this is the reality. Joshua is in this situation, and he's like, man, he's like, I, you know, I—I—I I, I don't want to move on. Why? Why is this important for us? Because if we're going to cross over and move into something, we got to realize something. Sometimes our personal ideal, our ideal circumstances, are not the plan of God. Hello. Let me say it again. Sometimes our personal ideal circumstances are not the plan of God. And we have to bury them and move on if we want to cross over. See, the ideal situation would have been, look, Moses, come back down the mountain. God forgave you for hitting the rock. Hello? Come on down. Lead us over into the promised land. And then once we're over there and we conquered everyone, I'll go ahead and lead. After everything has been done, I'll go ahead and take my position. But I don't want to do that before then. That's the ideal situation. See, many of us have ideal situations. I'll tell you an ideal situation. I was sitting down and I was thinking about this and as, as I was meditating. I remember when I was in, 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 in youth ministry. I remember when I be, even before youth ministry. I never, hear, me, hear, hear what I'm about to say. I never, ever, 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 glory to God, thought, I was going to leave the church that I was in. Never. In my heart, I said, man, I'm young. I'll stay here. Pastor, get old. Hello, somebody. He's going to pass a baton on to someone. I'll go on ahead. Continue. It doesn't matter. I don't need to raise nothing up. I don't need to do anything. I don't need to go through all that heartache and labor. Hello, somebody. I don't need to go through none of that. Right? That's the ideal situation. The ideal situation, I will stay right there. I will be faithful. I will do what God has called me to do. I'll preach the word when I have opportunities. And then obviously, you know, God promoted me, youth ministry. I didn't want to do nothing like that. There was the, the ideal situation. It tore me up. I think I've told you this testimony before. I was so discouraged inside of my heart because suddenly there, there came a point in time in my, like, last year of being there in ministry that, man, I just, there was a there was a lack of a burden for the youth. It was crazy because I was like, you can ask these, these gentlemen and ladies on the front row, they'll all tell you, man, I was like passionate about youth ministry. I was like, I wanted to minister to youth for the rest of my life. I mean, that was all that was inside of me. And then suddenly this burden that I had lifted and I didn't know I thought I was in sin. Did you hear what I just said? I thought I would ask my wife. I went on a 21 day fast. Glory to God. I don't say that's a brag. I want you to understand how serious I was about seeking God because you know, sometimes we say, oh, you know, I really want to an answer from God, but we won't even spend an hour in prayer. You didn't hear what I just said. We, 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 want, we want a breakthrough from God, but we won't we won't se- we just separate ourselves from everything and everybody. We won't do that kind of stuff because we really ain't serious about hearing from God. We, we, we're waiting for something to touch our emotions enough to say, okay, I can move on. No, wait a second. You and I, we need a word from God. Amen. We need to hear from God when we're going through situations and going through difficulty. And so if we're serious about hearing God, I used to tell the youth all the time, it's not that God doesn't hear you. God don't feel you. Hello. What do you mean, Bishop? Back then. What do you mean, Pastor Jason? What I mean is, you over here saying you want God, but you live in crazy you over here saying you want to hear from God, you want a breakthrough, you want all this, that and the next thing and yet you're not seeking God's face and so what did I do? I said, man, I don't know what is wrong with me. Told my wife, I'm like, babe, I don't know, there's just something going on inside of me yet and still in my heart of hearts, I'm not thinking about leaving. I don't want anything like that. Went on a 21 day fast, burden didn't come. Revival came glory to God. The Holy Ghost fell we had an awesome time in youth camp. I mean, came back. I mean, I ain't ever seen the glory of God like that. I mean powerful, powerful, powerful. God doing some great stuff and still in all the burden is not there. I'm talking about while I'm praying, it is like pulling teeth to get a word to come out of this word. And that's not me. I mean, I can sit down, read a scripture and I'm ready to preach for an hour. Glory to God. I mean, it was tough. And what happened? It was God. He was, he was doing something inside of me. He was caught. He was, he was putting inside of me faith dome. And I didn't realize it. I wasn't looking for that. That wasn't my ideal situation. That that, that, that wasn't my ideal situation. But you know what? I wouldn't trade my ideal. I I wouldn't trade God's ideal situation for my own ideal situation. see, because no matter how difficult it is, no matter how tough it is, no matter how whatever it is. Look, man, it is awesome to know that you are in the will of God, that you are in the purpose of God. And so what happens is Joshua comes to this place and he's got to deal with his ideal situation. And sometimes we have to as well. Sometimes we're in a workplace, hello, somebody, and we just think, I'm going to be here forever. I'm going to retire forever. And things change, and all of a sudden, you get let go. Hello, what happened to your ideal situation? It's gone. You can't do anything about it. Sometimes we're in, you know, relationships or things like that. Ideal situation, and the people leave your life. And what happens? You have to move on. You can't continue to live in that kind of stuff. And we can't continue to look backwards because looking backwards will never move forward. So we can look at our own ideal situation or we can accept where it is. So you need to think about it right now. Where am I right now? Where am I? Where is it that God has me right at this moment? Not my ideal situation. It may not be my ideal circumstances, but this is where the Lord has me at this moment. And so what I want to do is I want to move into new beginnings with him in my mind, in my heart. I want to move into a new beginning with him in my purpose. And I want to align with him because even though it's not my ideal situation, his will is what matters. His purpose is what matters. And so all we have to do is do what? Is align with his will. Is align with his purpose. Submit to him. See, just like he he communicated to Joshua, he said, Joshua, man, I need you to get up. He said, you know what, these people have been walking around this desert for the last 40 years because we got to think about why is it that God is moving them into this promised land. What does it mean? Well, God promised them this land way before Moses in the the life of a man by the name of Abraham. And for you young people, you know Pastor Chad has been going through these people of faith and so you should know about the promise that he gave to Abraham. He told him, he said, listen, he said, these people are going to inherit this land. There's other people who are dwelling here, but they're going to inherit the land. He reminded Moses and Moses communicates it to them, but it wasn't. In the time. And so what does God communicate? God says, listen, I want to bring you into this promised land. So what does that mean? Because we know that we're crossing over and we had to cross over where? The Jordan, right? Amen. Say the Jordan. the Jordan. And we know because Pastor Lewis communicated this to us and we should know from our study times, right? That the Jordan symbolizes supernatural. Say supernatural. And so what that means is God wants us to cross over into the supernatural. In other words, he wants to bring us into supernatural living. Say supernatural living. He wants to bring us into living, not depending on the natural, depending on the supernatural, yet being responsible in the natural. Y'all didn't hear that. Oh, God. Listen, he wants us to live depending on the supernatural, his provision, his wisdom, his direction, and yet not being unfaithful with the natural. The responsibilities he's given us, because here's the problem with us. Sometimes we get so high on ourselves because it ain't high in God. We get so high on ourselves. We start to think so highly of ourselves. We are so spiritual and so supernatural and we are walking around and we are being irresponsible in the natural. Hello? And that is not the way God operates. God wants us to be filled with his glory and be conduits for that glory to manifest in this natural realm. And if you or I are being irresponsible in the natural, we are not being faithful conduits for the glory of God. Therefore, he wants us to cross over from this natural mindset and being connected and concerned and consumed with all of these natural situations to cross over to the place where I am connected, I'm consumed, and I'm overwhelmed by his supernatural revelation and glory. I am confiding in his provision, and I'm going to walk as a person of integrity who is going to live a life that brings glory to him in everything in this natural realm. See, the issue with us is that we get so supernatural, and then we want to blame the supernatural for our irreverence in the natural. Church, We use God as our excuse why we can't serve. We use God as our excuse why we can't love. That's crazy, but we do it. We use God as the excuse for those things, church. It is important for us to recognize. When they were going from being in the desert to coming into the promised land, what God was saying is, look, I want you to start walking in a supernatural revelation. But listen to this. Supernatural. But you're going to go from the place of depending on miracles to learning how to walk in blessing. See, because in the promised land, the manna from the sky, it's going to stop. Water from the rock, it's going to stop. Quail coming down, it's going to stop. Now you're going to experience the land flowing with milk and honey. And guess what? The land flowing with milk and honey, producing great crops is just as supernatural as the quail coming down as the manna from the sky as the water from the rock. The problem with us Christians, we don't really understand supernatural living. If we understood supernatural living, we would stop looking for the manna from the sky, the quail from the sky, the water from the rock in order to be encouraged. We would be encouraged by the job we have. Oh, glory to God. We would be encouraged that God is providing food in the refrigerator. We would be encouraged that God has a pantry full. We would be encouraged that there's gas in the gas tank. We would be, oh, glory. See, we would be encouraged because all of that is supernatural whether you believe it or not. That the provision of God that ain't because you're so great that's not because you're so faithful that's not because you're so wonderful it's because of the grace of God that he's deposited upon your life and that's the reason why all that stuff is that way and so the reality is he's saying children I want you to move from being naturally minded carnally minded to being supernaturally minded this is what it means church living in the supernatural is learning to not I'm not I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not depending on blessing to walk by faith And I'm walking by faith because I know who he is. I'm walking by faith because I know him. That's what it means to be a person who crosses over from this place to this place. A person who moves from this dimension to the next dimension. We talk about new levels. Listen, this is a new level for some of us. Hello. Being able to walk in and say, man, God, I bless you because that's supernatural right there. Glory to God. That is supernatural that I see what I see in my life. Does that mean we should ask for miracles? Not at all. Does that mean that we shouldn't seek God to do his thing? Not at all. Because, you know, even though they went into the promised land, they still saw other miracles. But it, it wasn't miracles about them in their everyday life. It was miracles to get them to where God wanted. See, we need, here's the thing. We need bigger miracles. Say bigger miracles than just the provisions in our life, church. We need to get to that place that we are walking in the blessing of God. Amen? So the first thing we gotta do is we gotta figure out what is holding us back. Joshua was still mourning over Moses, the servant of the Lord, who had died. Joshua was still trying to deal with an ideal situation. Joshua was still going through what he was going through and God is saying, listen, I need to move these people. The time has come, I need to move them. Say this with me, in order for us to cross over, We must depend on what will keep us moving forward. See, the first thing we find is that there was an issue and you've got to determine what it is that is holding you back. What is it that is dead that you need to bury and that way you can cross over? What is it? You need to figure that out and deal with that because as long as you're holding on to that thing, as long as you're trying to live in that, you're never going to be able to move forward. But the second thing is you've got to depend on what it is that's going to keep you moving forward. So what is it that we see in this scripture here that shows us what was helping Joshua or what was going to keep him moving forward? Let's continue on reading in verse 3. It says, every place, say every place, that the sole of your foot will tread upon I have given you as I said to Moses from the wilderness this Lebanon as far as the great river the river Euphrates all the land of the Hittites into the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses so I will be with you I will not leave you nor forsake you And so the first thing that we see is he got to deal with what is holding him back. The second thing is he needs to begin to depend on what's going to move him forward. So he gets a revelation, or should I say a confirmation? I need to say that because it's important for us to realize this because we have, you know, our own concepts about prophecy and things like that. And when someone prophesies to your life, you know, we've been told that's just going to be confirmation of what God has already spoken. That's not necessarily true because if you read your Bible, you're going to find something in the book of of Deuteronomy chapter 31. The Bible says that everything that God communicated to Joshua here, Moses told him first. Did you hear me? Everything that God communicates to Joshua here, Moses told him first. In other words, Joshua wasn't up in a prayer closet, and God said this, 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 and this, and then all of a sudden, he comes out and Moses says, hey, I need to confirm this. No, Moses came to him and said, look, this is what God is communicating to you. This is what God is saying to you. This is what God is going to use you, and he moved on, and then he began to communicate to the people, and he went on about the things that he had to do in order to complete his mission and his tactic. Now, that brings me to another very important point. Don't just let anybody tell you what you're going to do. Hello, somebody. Because I want you to recognize who it was who was speaking into his life. It wasn't just some Joe Schmo off the street, hello. It wasn't just somebody who came up and said, hey, man, I need to give this word. No, no, it wasn't none of that stuff. It it was somebody who had been watching him, hello. It was somebody, because we read the text, and it was someone who cried out to God and said, God, who is going to be the one to lead the people? It was a true prophet of the Lord, someone who had been tested, someone who had been proven, not someone who just tickled you and made you feel good, because we know that Moses didn't give all them kind of prophecies as a matter. Matter of fact, if you read the prophecy that Moses gave in chapter 31 of the book of Deuteronomy, he prophesied to the people and said, y'all are going to walk away from God. When you prosper, you're going to walk away from God. And so it's good to want to prosper, but you need to be careful because if they fell into that trap, it's the same trap that many of us fall into. Hello. You see, I'm going to say it like this. There's some people that are never going to be in that place of comfort because God don't want you to walk away from him. Mm-hmm. I, I know, I know you didn't want to hear that, but it's the reality. There are some people who cannot handle prosperity in in, in the natural realm. Did you hear what I just said? They 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 they, they won't pray. They won't see God. They won't go. If they're not going through difficulty, they're not on their face. Did you hear me? So you need to check yourself because you know what I realized If you just repent and turn your heart away from those ways, guess what? God will move you into what He wants. I didn't say you're going to be rich. Hello. I didn't say everything was going to be perfect. That's not what I said. But what I said is you will experience the prosperity of soul that the Apostle John prays that you would have. You'll experience the prosperity in life that God desires for you to have. And if he desires for you to be rich, you'll be rich. If he desires for you to not have issues here or there, you won't have issues there. But the reality is you've got to be a person who can be entrusted, say entrusted, with prosperity. You see, here's the thing. We've got to demonstrate faithfulness to God. We have got to grow in that fidelity. We have got to grow in our ability to continue to walk with him in the good times and the bad times. Not just come to him when times are bad and when he makes it good, I'm going to run away. Because that's what happened to them. The scriptures communicate it. The scriptures show us. Joshua hears this word of the Lord from Moses. Then he's on his face and he's there crying out whatever the case is god communicates to him he reminds him he confirms him listen son here is what you're going to do i need you to get up i need you to lead the children of israel so what does he communicate to him he gives joshua a threefold mandate see this is what's going to keep you moving forward when you know you have something that you're moving towards. Amen? It's called a vision for your life, a vision for ministry, a vision for whatever. You're going to move forward. So you got people, they go to college, they waste a whole bunch of money. Why? Because they have no idea where they're going. They waste years, and most of the time it ain't their money. Hello, somebody. Or they're sowing into their future some debt because those loans are going to come back and be like, all right, you got to pay them. Be like, man, what did I do all that time? Hello, somebody. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's why it's important that you don't just waste time. you got to know where it is. So this is what's going to keep you moving forward. So what does he communicate to Joshua? He communicates to him and he gives him this threefold mandate. He says, number one, Joshua is going to lead the people over the Jordan into the land. Number two, he's going to lead the people to defeat the enemies in the land. And number three, he is going to divide the land into the inheritance for each tribe. So he says, look, this is your responsibility your responsibility when you complete this and and if you look throughout the book of Joshua every one of these things was completed Joshua went on ahead he led the people over the Jordan Joshua continued on he led the people to conquer most of the territory not all of it he led them to conquer and then he also went on ahead and he divided it up by inheritance and pointed the people in the direction that they were supposed to go so every prophetic word that God spoke over his life came to pass and so that should be the same goal for us to make sure that what God communicates in us that we bring it to pass by By walking in obedience, not that we produce it, but we allow God to bring it to pass. They bring it to pass. And so the way that God does this is in, in him is he doesn't just give him a mandate because this is the awesome thing about God is God doesn't just give you a mandate and tell you what to do, but he empowers you and he encourages you to let you know some things. And that way, as you're going through whatever you're going through to get to what God is calling you to do, that you don't become discouraged and just quit, but you can move forward through everything that you're going to, because let me tell you something in order to put, in, in order to produce or to fulfill the will of God in your life, it ain't going to be easy. Did you hear me? This is what we think. We think God's going to speak a word to me, and poof, everything is just going to line up. Provision is just going to fall. Everything is just going to move in the the direction. No, 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 no. That's not the way that this happens, church. God speaks to us, and now we do what? We align with him. We align with his provision, and that's the way that we do this. That's the way that we walk in this. You see, Joshua, and I love this about Joshua. He didn't sit there and try to figure out how. He just said, okay, you spoke to me, I'm going to walk in it. You spoke to me, I'm going to obey you spoke to me, I'm going to do what you're calling me to do. And so he gives him he gives him three three a threefold mandate and he also gives him three promises. Here's the promises. The first promise is, he says Israel would enter the land. When he says this, that Israel is going to enter the land, he is not saying that Israel may enter the land someday. He's not saying that Israel still has a promise. That isn't what God was saying. God is saying Israel is going to enter the land. It is going to be now, not later, not next year. Now is the time. I need you to get up now because we're going to move forward. And so as a church collectively, you know that God is trying to move us forward. Somebody please say amen. God is trying to move us into another place. And I'm not talking about the building. The building is going to be there. God is trying to move us to another place in our approach, in our discipleship, in our development, in our growth, in our reaching of others. God is trying to provoke us to move forward, not just in the natural realm. He's got that under control, but to move forward spiritually, to move forward in our obedience to God. And so that's where he's, he's calling us to move forward. And so he tells them that Israel is going to move forward. Now we can't wait. Glory to God. I don't, I, you know, you know, my prayer is, I I don't know if I told you this, but I know that it's on the website. If you read it, you know, my prayer is my prayer is that by the time we move into that place, we got to move out. Did you hear what I say? Glory to God. My prayer is that by the time we move into that place that we are already packed out in there, that we already got to go to two services. That's my prayer. But you want to know what? That will never happen if we are not reaching those who don't know Jesus. That will never happen if we are not going out there getting those souls that desperately need God, that God has placed in our life. That will never happen. You know why? Because God is not going to go ahead and just do it for you. Did you hear me? Uh Uh-huh. God, quiet. I love you, angel. Thank you for your support. Glory to God. Got quiet. I love. I heard. I heard a preacher. He's a. He's in a. He's an evangelist in 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 Russia, and he was preaching in a conference over here his name is T.L. Osborne mighty 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 man of God I mean this guy has you know had visions of Jesus I mean he is he is serious and he, he, he's not one of those flaky people that has a vision of Jesus and then starts preaching heresy it ain't like that he had a real vision and he continues to preach what the scriptures teach which I love and he's in his conference and he's communicating and he tells the people in there he's like listen he's like who says that you gotta have some special call in order to go and change the world nobody who says you gotta have something th- like this or like that no you just need to get up and walk in obedience to the scriptures if God said go make the disciples go make disciples he is with you move forward and do what he's calling you to do he communicates this clearly he says you know what the problem with christians are christians they want to go ahead and the only thing and see now you know that i'm big on this so you know this could be taken offensively if this was my only the only part of my heart he said what christians want to do they want to pray and let god do everything else they want to just pray 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 let god do everything else wait a second time out this is a relationship in which god is the leader And so you come to your leader for direction, and then you step out and you obey and do what his scriptures teach. And then guess what? You will see the blessing that God wants to release in your life. Amen, somebody. And so the first thing he communicates to them is he tells them, okay, you need to lead the people over the Jordan into the land. And so he gives him a promise. He says that the people are going to enter into the land now. So how does this apply to you and I as believers today? As believers today, we must understand that all, say all, say all spiritual blessing belongs to us now not later you don't need blessing in heaven did you hear what i just said you don't. You, you don't. You don't need to. You're going to be in the glory of God in heaven. Why do you think that we're going to wait till we get to heaven to get blessed? You need to be blessed here. Hello, somebody. God is not storing up. Bless- He's storing up glory for you in heaven. You need to experience His blessing now. This is our problem. Oh, you know this. Listen, we need to understand something. God wants us to walk in the full blessing of His Word, the full blessing of His purpose. Ephesians chapter one and verse three says that all spiritual blessings. Say all spiritual blessings. It's there. It is in Christ. And so if we are in Christ, we should be what? Experiencing that blessing. This is the reality. So he gives him a promise. He gives him a promise. He says, you are going to go into this land. He said, you are going to move on. And you know what? God wants you to walk into the full blessing that you and I can walk into. The second thing that he communicates to them is he tells them that they're going to defeat their enemies. So what does God promise him there? He gives him one of the most awesome promises that I could ever imagine receiving. Remember, I just described Moses. He's a man that God spoke to face to face. And he tells him, he says, you're going to go into this land. This land is going to all be yours. And then he says, and I will be with you just as I was with Moses. Did you hear me? I will be with you just as I was with Moses. Here's a question. Will God be with you just like he was with Moses? (laughs) Even more so, he'll be with you. He didn't live inside of Moses. He lives inside of you. The question is this, will you walk with God like Moses did? See, that's the real question. The real question is, will I live a life that is as submitted and surrendered to God as Moses did that's the big question, it's not whether God is going to give you this promise, he communicates as a matter of fact, God is so amazing when you look forward into the scriptures you look into the new Testament because obviously you know, we got to take everything from the old and we got to bring it into the new, amen, we got to pass it through the cross, make sure the promise applies to us amen somebody, we need to make sure we do that that's being faithful to the scriptures, making sure that we are not claiming promises that don't belong to us, that's being faithful to God, not calling on God and saying God is going to do this when God didn't say that so when we move forward we find first of all while Jesus is on the earth in the book of Matthew he says what to his disciples he says "Lo, I am with you until the end of the age he says I'm with you but he doesn't stop there Because after Jesus ascends into glory, sits down at the right hand of the father, the Holy Spirit inspires the writer of the book of Hebrews. And you know what he does? He quotes this exact scripture here where God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He says it in the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 5. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Who's he talking to? The church. He's talking to you and he's talking to me and he's saying, I will never. And I love this, the way that the scripture says it, because in our, in, 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 in our text, it says, leave you or forsake you. But that word leave, it literally means to fail you. Say fail you. Fail. God says he will never fail you. Oh, when, 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 when this morning is when this hit me, I said, what does it mean? To, you know, God doesn't get anything out of you or I failing. Did you know what I said? He doesn't get anything out. He's not up there in heaven saying, oh, yeah, I just failed him. Hey, great job. You know, as we were growing up, some of us had crazy teachers that we thought, man, they just want to fail us. You know, it may, may have just been our concept, may have been truth, whatever the case is. It seemed like they got something out of making you, you know, fail. Hello. Can I tell you something? Your heavenly father is not that way, church. He gets nothing out of you failing. He will never fail you. In other words, he's never going to let you flunk either. See, because it's not just about him giving you a grade and saying, okay, no, no, no. It's about him upholding you. He's saying, I'm never going to let you drop. That word means to sink down. It means to leave you. He's not going to allow you. to. So if you will obey his word, if you will walk with him, if you will obey him and all that he's communicating, he's saying, I'm not going to fail you. In other words, my words are not going to fail in your life. When Jesus communicates and, they, and he's talking to his disciples and the disciples are asking, remember the rich young ruler who came to him and, and, and asked him, you know, what must I do to inherit heaven? And he went through all of this stuff and he said, well, I've done all of those things since I was a youth. And he says, okay, but well you lack one thing. You need to go out and sell all of your riches, give to the poor, then come and follow me. And he's like, man, he walked away sad. And then Jesus, you know, his disciples are like, well, then who can be saved? And he says, look, he said the things that are impossible with man, are not impossible with God. In other words, God's word has power. It has ability, church. And so in order for us to move forward, we've got to do what? We've got to make sure that we know what his promises declare for us. He communicated to him he was gonna, that, that he would defeat the enemies in the land. And so obviously, I want you to understand something. We're not trying to defeat natural people. Did you hear me? Because I know some of us want to obliterate some natural folks. Be trying to claim that promise. Lord, you said that no one, no man will be able to stand before me. Glory to God. Knock them down. I know. I know that that's some of y'all are just, just wrong in your spirit. Hello. Need to repent before the Lord Jesus. But there are, and and, and as I was praying last Sunday, there are powers, there are principalities, there are wickedness in high place. There are some spiritual forces that need to be dealt with. And you want to know what? The only way that we are going to be able to deal with them is by allowing God to fight the battle for us. He goes on to communicate the third thing to him. He said, oh, You're gonna divide the land into the inheritance of the people. And so the third promise that he says is that he's gonna divide the conquered landers. See, you can't divide land if it don't belong to you. Did you hear me? So the promise was you're gonna conquer. You are going to conquer these nations. You are going to go in there, and there is going to be victory in these nations. So he gives him another promise in the, in, along with the mandate. He didn't just tell him where well, you're going to divide, but he's communicating that as a promise as well. You are, going to co- you are going to conquer all of this land, and you are going to divide the land unto the people. And now I thought about this as well. God has called us, right? We know this one, more than conquerors. Amen? He's called us more than conquerors. But here's the thing that I realized. Aren't you and I supposed to be those kind of people that are going on ahead and leading people to Christ? Is that not true? So what does that mean? That means that we should be leading people into the supernatural. Did you hear what I just said? So every one of us has this same mandate. We should be leading people into the supernatural. We should be leading people to Christ. We should be leading people to cross over from their desert into their promise. Amen, somebody? That's all of our responsibility. We should also, we're supposed to be more than conquerors. Therefore, that means that we should be defeating spiritual forces. We should be overcoming the flesh. We should be overcoming temptation amen somebody so that means that the same promises that applied to joshua apply to us today the question is are you going to walk with god like moses did or are you going to walk how you want to walk he gives them these promises church he communicates to them this is what i'm going to do this is how it's going to happen so joshua has this threefold mandate from god he has promises to stand on and you know what god does god gives him one responsibility One responsibility. He doesn't say, Joshua, sit down, map out the land, figure out who you're going to take first, figure out what you're going to do next. He doesn't do that. He doesn't tell him, figure out the master plan, figure out the battle plan. That isn't what God tells him. God says, I give you one responsibility. Don't let this book depart from your heart. Obey this law day and night. In other words, don't you see? See, our problem is we're trying to figure out the wrong stuff. (laughs) Our problem is we're trying to deal with the wrong things. We're trying to figure out how to fix this when we need to just walk with him and allow him to fix this. See, here's the problem with us is that we think that divine sovereignty is a substitute for human responsibility. Listen. We think that divine sovereignty, because God is divine, because God is all-knowing, because God is all-powerful, because God is all-able, right? So he's in control of all things. Therefore, that's a substitute for our responsibility. Oh, well, you know, God is in control. Yeah, he's in control, but is He in control of you. Oh yeah, he's, he, 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 he's the one that leads and he's the one that does, but it doesn't remove your responsibility as a human being. It doesn't remove your responsibility as a person to walk by faith. It doesn't. And when we talk about walking by faith, for those of you who have been through the Vision Carrier class, you know that walking by faith is simply walking in obedience to the word of God, whether it is the written or the spoken word of God. It is walking in obedience. That is what living by faith is. And so he's saying, look, you have got to obey when God communicates, you obey. So what what does Joshua have to do? He has to get up and he has to say, okay. I need to go on ahead and I need to obey what God is saying. Let's look at what he says. I, I want you to read it with me. Look at verse 6. He goes on after he gives him these promises. And he says, be strong and of good courage for this people you shall divide and inheritance, um, inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Which is the exact words that he communicates through Moses. And in verse 7 he says, only... This is your responsibility, Joshua. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all, not some to do all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. See, here's the reality. The guarantee of our success is not different than that of Joshua. It's not solely the declaration of the word of God over our lives that guarantees our success, but it is the depth of the word of God within our lives. It's not just how powerful the prophecy is. It is how profound the word of God dwells in you. It is not about how many chill bumps you felt when they spoke it. It's not about how many tears you cried when you heard it. It's not about how overwhelmed you were by that. It is about how deep is the word of God dwelling in your life. Last week we talked about it, about the word dwelling richly within us. And so the reality is God is telling Joshua, Joshua, if you obey every detail of this word, if you meditate upon this word day in and day out, If you keep this word on your lips If you don't let it depart from you If you obey everything that it says Joshua, you're going to be a prosperous man And you're going to fulfill the calling that I have on your life So then obviously the opposite would be true If he didn't meditate on the law If he just figured, well, you know, I got this position So now I'm going to do whatever, you know And God's sovereign, so he's going to get me through it Mm -mm. As a matter of fact, when you look forward a little bit You look at AI, hello somebody Smaller nation than Jericho. And what happened? Because of disobedience, they suffered defeat. It's important for us to recognize these things, church. I'm going to close here today and we'll talk about dealing with it next week. But the reality is that we have to be those people who embrace what God is communicating in His Word. God is saying He wants to bring you into a new beginning. He's saying He wants to bring us into a new beginning. So the question is, what is it that you need to deal with that's dead? It needs to be buried. That's the first question. The second question is, what is it that you have heard God communicating to you? Whether it's today, whether it's weeks past, whenever it is, what is it that you've heard God communicating? And telling you to move forward in it. You're not moving forward in it. God wants to do it in you. Amen? So I'll stand to our feet, please. Bow your heads. Hallelujah.